Good evening. It is good to be together to worship God. If you would be open your Bibles to 1 Kings, the third chapter, we'll begin there as we make our way to a study out of Proverbs tonight. If you're a guest, we welcome you. It really does encourage us that you're here. And uh, speaking of welcome, we welcome back many of you ladies that were away this morning at the ladies' retreat. We're glad that you're back home safely. It's good to have you. Also, we want to give a big, warm welcome uh, to uh, John and Jessica Marble. And if you guys will wave, stand up, whatever you're comfortable doing. Uh, they are missionaries from Haiti that we support. And back on Missions Emphasis Day, uh, you remember that we were all invited to various reports where you could go and learn more uh, about individual works that are newer to us, works that are newer to us supporting. And I went to that particular one, and I tell you, the work that, that John and Jessica are doing uh, was just it is amazing. It was such a wonderful report. And we're thankful that you guys are here tonight. And uh, afterwards, I think you're going to make your way to the foyer, maybe. And, and Doug and Sharon will be there with them. And so be sure and, and take the opportunity afterwards to uh, greet them and uh, get to know them. And you're going to feel like you, you know John to some degree because his brother is Jody. And it's kind of a, a strange irony that the first Sunday that Jody's not here is the day that they are here. I don't, I don't know if it's like tag team and one on the way out and one on the way in, uh, but it's good to have you guys. And uh, also, as we think about mission work, allow me to uh, remind you that Doug Williams asked me to mention uh, that if you missed the meeting this afternoon about the summer trip to Brazil, that that particular mission trip uh, is, of course, still scheduled. And if you still have interest, let Doug know and he'll catch you up on the things uh, that you might have missed uh, just a few minutes ago with the meeting that took place just before services. It is a blessing, a huge blessing, all the wonderful opportunities that God gives us to serve in his kingdom. And we're thankful for each of those uh, mission works that we've mentioned tonight and all the other ones also. Wisdom. Wisdom is an interesting, interesting study because as we study wisdom, we long to gain even more wisdom because we see its great worth. And on the other hand, people who do not have wisdom and they do not study wisdom literally do not know what they do not have and they have no desire to obtain it. Slightly on the lighter side, just before we dive in, how's this for wisdom? Actual product warnings on packaging. On an iron, it's actually on the packaging, it says do not iron clothes on body. And you're laughing, somebody in here has done that and gotten burned before, and you're acting like you've never done that. On, on a NITOL sleep aid, the actual warning is may cause drowsiness. On a blowtorch, the warning was do not use to dry hair. And on a push lawnmower, the warning was not to be used as a hedge trimmer. <laughs> I know somebody in here that's done that. <laughs> on a box of fireworks, the warning was do not put in your mouth. And on a toaster, it was do not use underwater. And this is the one I can't figure out. On a mattress, the warning was do not attempt to swallow. 
That's what I always do when I'm yawning and say, oh, I'm going to go to bed. I hope I don't swallow my mattress tonight. <laughs> when you see those, you can't help but think that there is a little bit of an absence of either common sense or wisdom in the world today. And not saying those are exactly the same thing. But if we are going to look and appreciate common sense in just a physical aspect, we could turn around at the very same line of thinking and say, let's appreciate wisdom from a spiritual aspect. Life is rich whenever we have obtained wisdom that is from God. And let's begin with that point tonight. Where does wisdom come from of which we all ought to want to drink deeply of? There's only one source and that is from above. Do you remember that wonderful story in 1 Kings the third chapter? And the reason I want us to start here is that off and on throughout this month, we'll look at various lessons out of the book of Proverbs. Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. And when we pause and appreciate his wisdom, it's just really neat to be reminded where did that wisdom come from? When he was a young king, God appeared to him in 1 Kings, the third chapter, and he said to him in verse 5, ask, what shall I give you? That's the end of the verse. God is saying, what do you want me to give you, Solomon? Now, notice he already had a great degree of wisdom when he asked for this. And you might say, how do we know that? Because notice his response. When the Lord said, I'll give you one thing, tell me what you want. He did not even begin with the request. Now, God was real impressed with his one request, but he didn't even begin with the request. You know where he began? He began with gratitude. He began by not taking things for granted. How many of us, Whatever we were born with, we just kind of took that for granted. What, what size of house were you born in? Just take that for granted. Were you born in a family that you take one big vacation every year? Take that for granted. That's just what we always do. Hey, do you appreciate that? No, I hadn't really thought about appreciating it. We just all do it. Well, what if you're born to a king? What if your father's a king? You think about how many kings just expect that kind of life. But you know what? He didn't. When God said, hey, I want to give you one thing. What do you want? Read with me, if you will, in verse 6, and notice his humility and his gratitude. He didn't begin with a request. Solomon said, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Pause there for a moment. How beautiful is that gratitude and that humility? What do you want? First, I just want to thank you for giving me a good father. I want to thank you for giving me a father that walks in truth and in righteousness and uprightness, of, which is an unusual term, uprightness of heart. I want to thank you for allowing me, God, to be able to sit on the throne as my father did. But before I give you my request, I just want to tell you how I feel. I'm like a little child. People all around me call me King Solomon. I feel like a child. I don't really know what to do at this point. Now, it's out of that kind of gratitude and that kind of humility that we see 
a request that could only come from somebody that has some degree of wisdom. And notice in verse eight, your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered to be counted. Therefore, give to your servant, here's his request, an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, who is able to judge this great people of yours. What do you want? He didn't ask for something for himself. Now, God goes ahead and replies that he's surprised that he didn't ask what others would ask. A lot of people in his situation, they would have asked for a long life. They would have asked for the life of their enemies or they would have asked for great riches. He didn't ask for any of those things. What did he want? Remember the humility? He wanted to be able to do a good, just, fair righteous job of leading the people. And when situations were brought to him where he had to make a decision, he didn't want to make decisions that hurt the people. He wanted to make decisions that are a blessing to the people. In other words, he's saying, God, you're going to bless me with one thing I ask for. I want you to give me something that I can use to bless other people. What about that, dads? What can you bring into your life this week, what can you ask God to bring into your life this week that when you receive it, you'll be able to use it to bless your family? Moms, what is it that can be brought into your life this week that when you receive it, it can be a blessing to your family? School teachers, supervisors at work, who do you work around? Who do you live? Who do you share a house, a neighborhood with? What is it that God could bring into your life that you could use it to bless others? Now, surely you know the answer to that just for the theme of tonight's lesson. Wisdom. Wisdom is so rich that if it is brought into your life, it immediately makes you a capable resource to bless other people. And so God says, you know what? You wanted to be able to properly judge the people? And this is where God calls it wisdom. Look in verse 12. Behold, I've done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you, wait, there's more. I've given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. Do you remember that paragraph in verse 16 and going down? For time's sake, I don't think it would be wise for us to invest the time to heavily develop that. But if you are not familiar with that paragraph, I'll briefly tell you about it and kind of like this morning, please make a note of it and go back and read it. Because here's what I want you to see. Point number one this evening, where does this wisdom come from? It comes from God, the kind of wisdom we want. When you read the book of Proverbs and you see that great wisdom that Solomon was writing, Solomon gained that wisdom from God. But then point number two, give me some proof. Give me some proof that that wisdom really works. Now, I know that this particular example, that, that immediately after God 
uh, has recorded in his holy word this story. And then immediately he says, now let me show you how it worked. I know most of us will never be put in this exact situation, but can you imagine having enough wisdom to be able to deal with a situation like this in such a great fashion? You remember there were two harlots and they were sleeping with newborn babies and one rolled over and smothered her baby in her sleep unintentionally. And when she woke up in the middle of the night and realized what she did, she saw that the other baby was still alive and she went and switched the babies. When the other harlot woke up in the morning and she looked to see at first the thought that her child was dead, but then upon closer examination, she realized it wasn't her child that was dead, that the babies had been switched. And so she began to claim the living baby because the living baby was hers. The other woman who had been dishonest in the night was going to be dishonest in the daytime. And she made the claim, no, this is my baby and you can't have it. And so now what do you do in their day and time in a situation like that? Serious situations like that made their way to the king. Now do you have an idea why Solomon said, I want to have a heart to properly judge the people? Why? Because, are you listening to this? Foolishness or wisdom, either one, impacts lives. If you don't care to be wise, your foolishness will impact lives. If you are wise, your wisdom will impact lives. We're talking about not a game changer here. We're talking about a life changer. And so he prayed to have significant wisdom, if you will, to be able to make a proper impact, a righteous impact, a just impact upon the lives of others. And so now this story is told. And so he looks, can you believe either one of these women's character? No, both of them are immoral women. So how are you going to know which one to believe? Is there a witness? No, there's only three living here. Two are harlots and one is a baby. Who are you going to believe? You know, a lot of us, if we'd never read this story before, and if we found ourselves in that situation, we would probably scratch our head and we'd probably say, this is impossible. There is no way that anybody on earth is going to know which one's the right baby except these two women, and they're not telling. Or you don't know which one to believe when they do tell. And you remember what he did. In his wisdom, he cried out for his sword. He commanded that the baby would be cut in half, and each woman could take half the baby. You see, in his wisdom, he knew what the mother would do. She cried out to stop the execution of her child and to let the other woman have the baby, let the baby live. Immediately, Solomon looks and says, that's the mother. And here's what's neat. Well, you want to read it? Look with me. Glance down at your Bible and look at verse 28. And all... Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was to him to administer justice. What did they see? They saw something that changes lives. This man has wisdom that is from above. Do you realize you and I are offered that kind of wisdom? We can have wisdom that makes a huge impact upon lives. What happens when a family is full of wisdom? What happens when a family of God is constantly led and even the followers are wise? What happens when a Bible class that you're a part of on Sunday morning for the next 25 years 
is full of wise people. What happens when a lot of your friends are wise? What happens when a lot of your children and grandchildren's friends are wise? Listen, there's no comparison to life lived among those who are wise and life lived among those who are foolish. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so I'd like to take you to the first chapter of Proverbs and remind you of this man that was so richly blessed with wisdom, turned around and wrote. He, he wasn't the writer of every proverb, but, but uh, many of these proverbs in the book of Proverbs, he is the author of them. And he begins by saying, let me tell you the array of people this can bless. Look in verse four. What if someone is a very simple person? To give prudence to the simple. That prudence is, is courage and it also has to do with carefulness. In other words, a simple person is sometimes considered naive. But you know what Proverbs can do? Proverbs can teach the person that otherwise would be naive how to not be naive. Now, I know I'm stating the obvious, but just bear with my simplicity here. So this naive person cannot seek wisdom and they can stay naive. Or this simple person can say, I want to set out to learn Proverbs. I want to learn wisdom. And before long, that simple person is not so simple anymore because they're not nearly as naive. Was well, that the only people that this book of wisdom can help? No. What about somebody that's young? To the young man or the young person, it can give knowledge and discretion. Do you realize that decision-making is made up of, do you have the knowledge to make the right decision? And then are you wise enough to take the knowledge you have and properly apply it to the decision? Did you get that? That's how we make wise decisions. Wisdom helps us know what knowledge to gather. Wisdom helps us know how to apply that knowledge. All right, is that the only people that help? If you're simple, this book is for you. If you're young, this book is for you. No, look, look at verse five there. A wise man, talking about this book, will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding, using this book, will attain wise counsel. In other words, this book will be his wise counsel. To understand a proverb, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. So what about the wise person? Someone says, well now, why would a wise person want to read a book that teaches more wisdom? And that's where you're just tempted to say, are you kidding? Like that's who really wants wisdom. You remember Solomon? Solomon was pretty wise whenever God said, hey, I'll give you one thing. Now, let this sink in. He was pretty wise. He had a significant measure of wisdom whenever God said, anything. You want a new Porsche? I don't know what a chariot looked like that's Porsche, but I guarantee you there was something like it. Do, 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 you want, do you want another castle? Do you want more friends? He could have asked for anything, but this man that already had a pretty good measure of wisdom, what did he want? More wisdom. Listen, 
out of this grouping right here, there's one you don't have to talk into wanting more wisdom. The wise recognize the huge impact that wisdom has made in their life and has allowed them to make an impact in others' life. And all a wise person wants is more wisdom because they realize it is in that that great good could be done. And so Solomon writes about that. He says, for the wise person that's hungry, this book can be your counsel. This book can bring you even greater understanding. But now he is about to mention one group that this book will not help. You want to take a guess in your mind who that group's going to be before we look at it? He's going to mention one group that this book will not help. Notice the last part of verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that's a huge point, but that's not the point we're making right now. Let's look at the next phrase, verse 7. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You don't want anybody telling you how to do something better? Fools despise instruction. You're about to do something in life and you don't want to go to two or three people that you know are really wise and say, hey, I'm thinking about fill in the blank. I'm thinking about buying a home. I'm thinking about transferring jobs to another state. We're thinking about having a baby. I'm thinking about getting married. Wouldn't you be the type of person that would say, I need to seek out two or three people that's pretty wise. And I need to just, I need to have lunch with them. I need to spend some time with them. Why would you do that? Only fools say, I don't want wisdom. I don't want instruction. The wise realize the blessing of wise counsel. And they always seek it. Don't go through life and especially with important transitions of life without talking to your brothers and sisters that are wise, pick out the ones that you know are wise and that they've traveled that path and drink deeply from their wisdom. So where'd it come from? God, what does it look like? One example was the way Solomon used that situation of figuring out which mother was the mother of the baby. Well, who can be a recipient of this? Everybody except the person that chooses to remain a fool. But everybody else can benefit. So then in the last few minutes that we have, and 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 Trust me, I'm not going to preach like this every Sunday, but I know I did it this morning and I'm doing it again tonight. I'm going to show you a text that we just cannot develop at all, but I think, I think I can show you enough of it that you'll have a hard time not going home and reading more of it tonight or tomorrow and just saying, I, I want to really devour that passage. Let's study in the last few minutes we have the person of wisdom in Proverbs, the eighth chapter. Proverbs, the eighth chapter. What does this wisdom look like? 
Now, Proverbs 8, Proverbs 8 is a passage of poetry where wisdom is personified. You know, like, like the wind was whispering through the trees. Well, you know, the wind really didn't whisper through the trees. It's personification. You know, you're laying in bed and you say, that bacon is calling my name. You know that it really does seem like the bacon's calling your name, doesn't it? But it's not really. It's not really. Well, that's the way this whole chapter is written. This whole chapter is to say, let me introduce you to a person that can change your life. You will want a close relationship with this person. And the way he chose to break this down, it breaks down in four pretty clean paragraphs where each one uh, makes uh, a very important point. The first paragraph is the first 11 verses. And notice at the end of verse 11, he's going to say, what I've been talking to you about is that wisdom cannot be compared with anything else. Like, for example, in, in the eighth chapter, verse one and two, Wisdom can be heard. She, verse two, she takes her stand on top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out in the gates at the entry of the city. What's all of this in the first few verses? First few verses is saying, listen, if you're not wise, you haven't been listening. There are, are plenty of opportunities here to gain wisdom. You need to listen to her. She is really speaking forth. Have you listened to her lately? And then he kind of echoes that in, in the fifth verse. Simple ones can gain from this. Verse six, are you going to listen to her? What does she speak? She speaks excellent things. Also in verse seven, out of her lips come, I'm sorry, verse six, out of her lips come right things. Look in verse seven, out of her mouth, she speaks truth. Nothing crooked or perverse in eight is going to come from her. Now, let's, let's slow down a little bit at 10, 11 here. Receive my instructions. This is what wisdom, the person of wisdom is saying. Not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. The author that wrote this, he meant it, didn't he? Let that sink in. He really did. He said nothing compared. Oh, you're, you're just saying that, Solomon. And Solomon can say, no, I'm not just saying that. God offered me anything. Just ask, I, whatever you want. And he said nothing else compared. I could have asked for all kind of riches. I could have asked for all kind of power. All I wanted is I wanted the one thing that nothing else can compare to. I wanted wisdom. All right, look as we start verse 12 and go down. In verse 21, it's going to lead to this conclusion that it is invaluable. Notice, I love the, the language in verse 14 and 15 when you think, okay, what is wisdom? It's counsel. Wisdom says, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. Wisdom says, I am understanding. Wisdom says, I have strength. Well, who could benefit from this? By me, kings reign, rulers decree justice. By me, princess rules and nobles. And 
all the judges of the earth. Now, we need to understand this about wisdom. I love those who love me. You see, you don't love wisdom, you won't have a relationship with wisdom. I love those who seek me and diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. Why does he say enduring? You ever seen a fool with money? Doesn't stick around long, does it? Enduring riches belong to those who are wise. And so we just jump down to 21 and notice the conclusion here. That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Do you think he's talking about treasuries there of things that are of lesser value, like gold and silver and rubies? Now, he's already talked about that he's going to give a treasury of things a lot greater than that. How valuable is it for you to be able to pillow your head tonight and have a peace that passes understanding that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your relationship is right with God? How valuable is it to have that relationship with God of peace? What kind of treasury would that fill up? That's wisdom right there. How valuable is it to be a part of a church family that truly loves and cares for each other? Maybe you're a part of a physical family that truly loves and cares for each other. And I, I want to just pause right there. I've given you three illustrations. And I want you to think about how many people in the world today, I'm talking right here in America, I've just mentioned treasuries so big that no bank could hold them. And a lot of people in America today do not have those things. But look what wisdom can bring. Wisdom will bring a right relationship with God. Wisdom will bring people into a church family because wisdom brings people to God. And when we come to God, we are adopted into his family. And wisdom helps strengthen all the other relationships. This month we're talking about family and how our faith ought to form our family. Wisdom ought to be a part of our faith that helps form that family. All right, I know we got to wrap up. So let me just mention this, this next uh, two a little bit quicker. It's really powerful in 22 that wisdom is eternal. Notice when the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Notice wisdom wasn't created in the beginning of the way. Wisdom was with God. And so before God said in the beginning, let there be, it was already there. And so that's what 23 and, and 24, when, when uh, there, there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth while as yet... He had not made the earth or the fields, the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then, now I, I marked this verse right here in my Bible. If you mark in your Bible, you might want to mark this one. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight. God, how did you know how deep to make the ocean so that it would hold enough water? 
And how did you know how much water to put in the ocean so that it wouldn't be too much and cover the whole earth? And wisdom personified speaks up and says, oh, I, I was there. I, I did that. No, you know what he's saying is ultimately he's saying God's wisdom. God's wisdom is the one who did that. Now, isn't it wonderful that in God's wisdom, look at the end of 31. And my delight, in other words, wisdom's delight was with the sons of men. So that same wisdom has been offered to us also. But then finally, in 32 through 36, wisdom is very desirable. In 32, the plea is we should listen to wisdom and be the children of wisdom. And I'd like to just skip right down and we'll extend the invitation with 35 and 36. So if I've been talking too fast or I lost you, I want you to come back. And, and, and really get into verse 35 and 36 with me and think how important wisdom is here. You and I should want wisdom because of what's in these two verses. For whoever finds me, whoever finds wisdom, finds life. We're talking about eternal life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. How wonderful is wisdom. James 1 and 5 teaches us that if we want wisdom, we should pray and ask of God who gives liberally wisdom. The book of Proverbs is written to us, as we've already seen over and over tonight, so that you and I can learn wisdom. So we know from reading the Holy Word of God that we should pray for wisdom and that we should study the Word of God to gain wisdom. And it's there that we find life. If I ask you right now, do you want to be wise? With what level of enthusiasm would you say Yes. I hope that tonight you can honestly say on a scale of one to 10, my desire for wisdom is 10. Because if so, it's going to make a difference in your soul. It's going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference in your church family. And if so, you are going to make a difference in your physical family. And you're going to make a difference in the way you work and perform your task and the way you share in a community with other people. Wisdom makes all the difference. The wise are wise with their soul. We're about to sing a song of encouragement. And if your soul is not right with God, why not? Tonight, be immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins as a believer willing to repent and confess. Maybe you've already become a Christian and you've let a little foolishness separate you from God. But tonight, you want to come back to God in great wisdom and humility and gratitude, seeking his forgiveness. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.